We're going to continue our, our In the Light series. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3, we're going to read the following. Um, and, and I want to explain something very quickly, just so you understand what's going on. Last, last week, we were in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 uh, to chapter 2, verse 2. Um, and we looked at what it means to be in the light. All right, talks about how uh, God is light. All right, uh, in him there's no darkness. Then it goes on and it talks about sin. And so last week we looked at what it means to walk in the light. And in, in order to be walking in the light or identify myself as walking in the light, um, there are a couple things we're gonna see. Number one was last week, if I'm walking in the light, there's, there has to be this renouncement of sin. In other words, there's this repentance from sin. If you uh, wanted to read the first three verses of chapter two, you see, or yeah, of chapter two, you'll see this. I write this to you so that you will not sin. In other words, there's this idea that you're not gonna walk uh, just carelessly into sin, okay? He says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. There's this idea of this going on. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to us. So here's the reality, okay? All right, that you don't openly walk into sin willingly. Now, all of us have the struggle, do we not? Like we know right from wrong. We know what we should do and we know what we shouldn't do. We know the way we should go and we know the way we shouldn't go oftentimes. And a lot of times we do the right things. But anybody in the situation, you'd be saying, hey, there are times where I know that I shouldn't do what I do and I still do it anyways. I mean, you fit right in there with what Paul says. Paul says, I, I do what I know I shouldn't do and what I shouldn't do, I do. And there's all kinds of things that, that take place there, but we're gonna follow along. Uh, so I said, here's the deal. If we're, if we're gonna walk in the light, the first thing we have to understand is we have to renounce sin. We have to walk away from sin. It doesn't mean you're gonna be sinless, all right? Because then he goes on and says, if anybody claims to be without sin, he's a liar. So there's this, this truth that's going on. There's this battle. There's this there, There's this really this clash of things that's going on in First John that we begin to look at. And then today we're going to really talk about more what it means. If, uh, if I'm walking in the light, how do I know I'm walking in the light? Um, there, and we're going to unpack that. So First John chapter 2, starting in verse 3, and listen to what it says. We know that we have come to know him if we what? Obey him, right? We obey his commands. We have come, or we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, I think this plays out a lot in what we see in society and culture today. There are multiple thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people at times who claim Christianity, who claim to be believers, but their lifestyle denies them by what they do. All right? There is something to be said here. Okay? It's not that you earn salvation based upon what you do, but as a result of salvation, as a result of a relationship with Christ, then I should do good things. I desire to do what God wants me to do. So there's this battle, this conflict that we see raging within us. And he says, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anybody obeys his words, listen to this, God's love is truly made complete in him. In other words, this idea would be that love, the love of God is not complete if you are not doing what he says to do, okay? You're incomplete. You are not a finished product. You are incomplete without his love. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as... Jesus did. Now, there's a balance here. A lot of people are like, well, wait a second here. 
You're, you're comparing me to Jesus, the Son of God, and I'm supposed to walk like he walked? I mean, the idea is this. Yes, in every way, shape, and form, we have the opportunity and the ability to walk in the light as he was in the light. Why? Because he is light. And so when Christ invades our life, when Christ becomes the very thing that we live for, then we want to walk in obedience to him. And as a result, the strength and power of the Holy Spirit lives out or or grows inside of us and we live that out inside. So verse seven, listen to what he says. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. And whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and he walks around in darkness and he does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. So I want to really think about this. How can we know we're in the light? Number one, we said last week is this idea of renouncing sin, and we're going to jump into the rest of that today. But every parent knows why obedience is important, don't we? I mean, if you were to ask parents, why do you want your kids to obey you? What would be the number one answer you think? To protect them. And likewise, it's the same way in the relationship that God lays out with his people. The reason God wants his people to obey him is for their protection, for their ability to do what he wants them to do, for their ability to walk through life with grace and mercy, but also to walk through life avoiding the struggles and difficulties oftentimes we face because of disobedience. See, the reality is obedience is simply a reflection of our love for those above us, isn't it? Obedience is simply a reflection of our love for those who are above us. Okay, if your boss asks you to do something and you disobey him, what is that saying? I don't love him, I don't respect him, and I'm not going to listen to him. Same with a teacher. If a teacher tells us to do things, you know, with my kids or something like that, if a teacher says, hey, you don't do that, and you do it, what is it a sign of? It's a sign of disrespect. It's a sign of unbelief. In other words, well, I don't believe you. I believe that you're trying to hide something from me. You're trying to hide maybe even something that's better. And so we begin to walk down this road where we think, hey, look, disobedience isn't that big a deal. And I'll even say it in this way, shape, or form. I believe wholeheartedly that in today's culture, disobedience is looked at with greater respect than obedience because we see it played out in so many ways. I'm not necessarily saying Christian culture, but I see it played out in culture. So I'm often reminded of the times when I disobeyed my parents, specifically my dad, it seems like. And I think it is oftentimes as a result of me and my dad being too alike. It was like my dad was trying to hide something from me. Like he would say not to do something, and it was like... (laughs) watch this. (laughs) Like I was going to experience something great. Like my dad didn't know, you know, and I I always tell my son this. I'm like, dude, you are so, you are so messed up because your dad did so many things that you've got no chance to pull one over on me. Like I look back at my teenage years and I think, man, my dad, I had him fooled. The reality is I was just making a fool of myself. 
Because my dad's desire was just to protect me from the pains, the heartaches, the sorrows, the hurts of everything that I would do. See, the reality also is this. I believe that some sins are enjoyable. I've never walked into a sinful situation going, oh my gosh, this is going to be the worst thing in my life. I've always walked into the sinful situations and went, man, this is going to be a blast. This is going to be fun. It's later on down the road when I realize the consequences of my sin that all of a sudden it becomes not so fun. You know, whether it's a ticket and I have to pay it or it was, you know, I was telling somebody yesterday, oh, I know it was Pat. Pat came over to our house yesterday and he saw fireworks sitting on my workbench in my garage. And he's like, ooh, fireworks. We used to get into bottle rocket wars outside. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we did too. My senior year of high school, 4th of July, it's illegal to shoot off fireworks in Cheyenne, Wyoming. You can do it in the county. You can't do it in city limits. But we went into one of the biggest parks in Cheyenne and we decided we're gonna get into bottle rocket war. Just a bunch of teenagers, useless, you know, simple fun, bottle rockets, you know. And every time you could see this main road that goes in the park, you'd see the cop cars. And when the cop cars would pull down that main road, guess what went away? You know, the fireworks went away. And they'd pull up, hey, you guys see anybody shooting off fireworks? No, no, we don't know what you're talking about. Three times, police cars pulled up, all three times, no big deal. We're shooting off these bottle rockets. This green car pulls up. This guy's like, hey, guys, what's up? We walk over, and man, he smells like alcohol. What you doing? Oh, man, we're having bottle rocket war. <laughs> Undercover cop. You guys need to drop those where you're at. And about that time, three police officers come out of the woods walking towards us. One of them is a school resource officer named Officer Dale Bratton. And Dale Bratton looks right at me, and he goes, Grout, what are you doing? I was like, man, $100 ticket later for the seven of us. There were seven of us there. All got a $100 ticket. We realized that the consequences weren't as great as what we thought was just a bunch of us having fun. And what was funny was a year later, I had joined the Navy. A year later, I was back on leave. And a bunch of the guys went out to the same park, 4th of July again. And they're shooting off bottle rockets. This time I'm like, I ain't doing it. And I'm standing there. And I'm not joking. Somewhat similar situation. Here comes two undercover officers out of the trees. One of them is Officer Bratton again. And Officer Bratton's like, you guys. And I'm like, I didn't do it. He's like, I know you didn't do it. You learned your lesson from last year. But all the guys that were there again got tickets. And what is the reality is this, is that a lot of times disobedience may look fun. Disobedience is going to be the thing that we think is going to lead us in a different direction. But the reality is obedience is what pays off. See, the reason a parent takes obedience so seriously is that they have the best interest in mind in the child. They want their child to succeed. They want their child to walk through life with, with great rewards, I looked at nothing else but with what's going on in our political culture today. And I remember sitting my kids down and I said, you have to realize that everything you do in your life matters, especially in today's culture. Because if we're willing to go that far back, I mean, I, I told you this, and I've told you this before, and I thank you for your grace. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for the fact that Jesus has done what he's done in me. But if you were to go back to my high school years, there's no way I'd ever be a pastor. Because if I had to pass what just happened with, with everything with a, 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 a Supreme Court justice, <laughs> there's no way I'd be standing up here preaching. 
Because everybody would be like, we don't want that guy in our pulpit. We don't want that guy leading us in decisions of right and wrong and teaching us the Bible. Because there's no way he could teach us the Bible because look at who he was and look at how he acted when he was a high schooler. See, the reason a parent takes obedience seriously is because they have the best interest of the child in mind. And I believe that that's exactly what God says when he's talking through this. So John is writing, and, and, and I believe there's something that raised the issue of, of this assurance of salvation in the church. And so I'm going to give you two things that I believe forced the issue to the forefront. Number one, that when John wrote this, John was writing to a group of professing believers who left the church. All right? They professed belief in Christ. They professed professing believers, but they left the church. If you look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, he says this, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. So there were people who were professing belief in Jesus, who had left the church, had left everything that had gone out. So they were, he's, he's literally writing to this because why? There was a group of professing believers who had left the church, number one. Number two, there were false teachers saying contradicting things, okay? And you can, you can see that even now. There are people who will believe or say certain things and they will teach certain things. You can turn on TV sometimes and TV will say it. You can see it in our political culture of what's going on. I've had people come out and say, look, I can be a believer in Jesus Christ and still walk in open disobedience and blatant sin knowing, listen, he's going to forgive me from that. And there's nowhere in the Bible that lines up with that. That's all false teaching. Matter of fact, the false teachers were saying contradictory things. And I'm just gonna run through these really quick. First John chapter one, verse six. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We don't have fellowship with the Lord if we're walking in darkness, okay? You can't. Chapter one, verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We talked about that last week. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Chapter two, verse four, he who says I know him but disobeys his commandments is a liar. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. There's a a separation here. Chapter two, verse nine, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Okay? And then chapter four, verse 20, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. So there are these things that he's really addressing, okay? There was these false teachings as a result of these people who had left the church and these people who had left the church, but yet were claiming to believe uh, or, or to be believers. So here's the big thing. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this. Obedience and love is the fruit of walking in the light. Obedience and love is the fruit of walking in the light. You get that idea, right? Obedience and love. I don't know what's going on with our PowerPoint. We're having... Um, chaos. Um, But obedience and love is the fruit of walking in the light. Here's the reality. If there is no light, is there ever any fruit? So if you have no sunlight, is a tree ever going to produce fruit? You have no sunlight in any way, shape, or form. You will have no fruit whatsoever. If we have no sunlight, we would have no vegetation. If we have no sunlight, we would have no vegetation. Nothing. There'll be nothing there, all right? But obedience and love is the fruit of walking in the light. So here's the question today I wanna ask. How do we know we're in the light? And I believe there's one answer with a justification behind it. Number one is this, we obey his commands. So we said, number one, how do we know we're walking in the light? We renounce sin, we walk away from sin. Look, we're gonna sin. 
There's gonna be a sin nature in there. And it's not the desire to sin. It's not like I sit down and go, man, I'm gonna go sin. It's the idea of this. Okay, I know I'm gonna sin. I know there's gonna be problems, but I have to be somebody who's gonna renounce it. I wanna walk away from it. I'm gonna repent of it and, and get away from it. Number two, we obey God's commands, all right? There's this move, and I have no reason why. There's this idea that we don't have to obey God's word, but yet we can still reap the, the, the benefits and rewards of having a relationship with Jesus. And here's the reality. You will never reap the rewards and benefits of a relationship with Jesus if you won't follow him obediently. I love how the New Living Translation started in verse three. It says that in, in, in the NIV, it says, we know that we have come to know him. But in the New Living Translation, it says, this is how you can be sure that you know him. This is how you can be confident that you know Jesus Christ. Here is how you can be confident that you obey him in every way. See, confidence in our relationship with Jesus really just means that when we know the son, we know the father, we can have confidence in our salvation because we do what he's asked us to do. So I believe wholeheartedly this, that we have to obey his commands. And I think it's a desire for us to obey. Why? Because the cost of obedience is small compared to the cost of disobedience. Listen, I'm, I'm here to say this, and I believe that this is one of the struggles that so many churches have when we walk in disobedience. The reason a lot of churches end up dying in reality is disobedience. A church is going to die when it walks in disobedience to God. And what I mean by that is this, to love others, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love others wholeheartedly the way Jesus did. Stand on the truth of the gospel, stand on his word, but don't ever cater, don't ever collapse to what's going on. As a matter of fact, Charlie, Stan, Charles, Charlie Stanley, good night. Charles Stanley said this, that God is responsible for the consequences of our obedience but we are responsible for the consequences of our disobedience. And so the question today would be this, do you obey God no matter what the cost? Do you follow God no matter what the cost? Because obeying his commands is the, really the fruit of the love you have of Jesus. See, if God is responsible for the consequences of our obedience, then the idea is this, that we reap what we sow, correct? If we sow obedience, we reap obedience. We sow obedience, we reap the blessings that God wants to unleash on us. But when we sow disobedience, we're gonna reap the consequences of our disobedience. Broken homes, broken families, broken relationships, all of those things go hand in hand. And I, I'm the first to sit here and say this. I, I believe this wholeheartedly. Obedience at times can be very uncomfortable, can it not? Obedience puts you in situations where you're going to go against the flow. I remember um, growing up, we had this, I had this, uh, we, had, we had hot tea every morning. I didn't, I didn't drink coffee until I got in the Navy. Um, my mom was a huge hot tea person. So we had hot tea every morning. And I had this coffee mug. And it was all these fish. They were all colorful, going one way. And on the coffee mug, it said, go against the flow. And there's this little white fish, kind of plain looking. And it's going the other way. So it just said, go against the flow. The world may say to go one way, but God may say to go the other, and so obedience can be uncomfortable at times. 
Obedience can lead us to where we may feel like we're alone. We may feel like we're isolated, but obedience to God is the pathway to a life that you want to live. You know, when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly, that's a result of obedience. When Jesus says, I want you to have an abundant life, an abundant life is a life that's walking in obedience. And when I walk in obedience, then I reap the benefits of the abundant life that Jesus had for me in the first place. But when I don't walk in obedience, when I walk in disobedience, then I'm not going to reap the benefits of an abundant life. I'm going to reap the consequences that I've sown in my own life. And I know this is Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son, but he says this, there's something insincere about a man or woman who repeatedly tells God him, tells God how much he or she loves him while refusing to obey him. I had a buddy when I was in the Navy, um, that uh, I'll never forget. I don't, I don't even remember how long I'd been on the ship, but we sat down and I knew some of the stuff. I knew his actions. I knew he's going out. He's getting drunk all the time. He was having girls in his house and he was sleeping with me. We'd talk about all this stuff. And, and uh, we sat down to eat one day down in the galley, forward galley of the ship. And uh, we sat down and I prayed and I looked up and he's praying. And I, I guess it must've had this look on my face because when he looked up, he goes, what? And I was like, I didn't know you were a believer. (laughs) And he goes, don't judge me. And I went, (laughs) I kind of am because I'm sitting here going, man, your lifestyle doesn't, you know. And I just said, but I don't understand why you act the way you do if you're a believer. And I mean, it got pretty, I mean, he was an older guy. He's probably in his mid-20s at the time. I'm 18, you know. And I'm sitting here going, I I just, I'm I'm not seeing how the, how it lines up. I'm confused. I really was. I was confused. I'm sitting there like, man, I'm not, I'm not sure I see what's going on. And listen to what he says. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. And I, I think we have to begin to understand that there are some who will claim they know God, but are not obedient to him. And it says that they do not have truth in them. And that's what I believe that Andy Stanley's quote says. There are going to be some in an insincere way, they're going to say, look, I follow God. I know God. I know Jesus. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. But the simple fact and the the, the desire is this, the identifying factor if I'm in the light, do I obey him? And I've even had people say, well, does that mean I obey Jesus or obey the words of Paul? Do you obey God's word? Do you follow God's teaching? And listen to what he says again in verse five. If anyone obeys his word, and I love this part. As a matter of fact, I, I, I highlighted, I've underlined everything. God's love is truly made complete in him. When I obey, if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete. If I don't obey, that love is incomplete. Why? Because I'm trying to do everything in my own power. You know, I always ask my, myself this question. How come some people can love others when that person has violated them in such a way? Maybe it was, you know, something happened. A, a, a family member lost another person as a result of an accident or something. How do I pour out love on a person who's violated me in such a way? By letting God's love be made complete by obeying him. 
You know, Jesus is the one who says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And I know that's the hardest thing to look at. It's the hardest thing to deal with when we talk about this. But when Jesus says, love your enemy, it's a complete contradictory statement to what all the Pharisees had said in the past. The Pharisees had said, hey, yeah, love those who love you, but the idea is you don't have to love your enemy. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. If anybody has violated, then you pray for them. As a matter of fact, if what we read today in Romans carries this aspect, carries this idea across to the thorough part. See, I believe this, that our lives show whether we know Jesus or we don't know Jesus. And that's literally what he's saying. This is how we know we are in, in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now, this does not mean you're going to be sinless. Jump back to what we talked about last week, right? Having a relationship with Jesus does not mean I'm going to be sinless. It just means I should sin less. Why? Because I'm walking in obedience. I'm, I'm taking in his word. My desire should be obedience to him, not disobedience. My desire should be to follow what he's told me to do, not what everybody else tells me to do. So it's not going to mean I'm going to be sinless. It just means that I should sin less in my life. Why? Because I'm striving to be obedient to him no matter what the cost. So obedience is just simply this. It is an act of faith while disobedience is a result of unbelief. When my kids obey me, it is an act of faith. They're putting their trust in me. They're saying that I realize my dad has the best out for me. I realize that my mom and dad want the best for me no matter the cost. That's an act of faith, isn't it? My kids are putting their faith in me. But disobedience would be an act of unbelief. That I don't have the best out for them that I'm just trying to hold them back from something. I'm trying to make sure that they don't have fun, right? You know, this uh, idea of this, you know, I used to think that, hey, don't do that. Why not? Because you're going to get hurt. No, I'm not going to get hurt. It's an act of unbelief. So faith or obedience is an act of faith. Disobedience is a result of unbelief. Obedience leads me into a rich, full relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Disobedience is going to lead me to be on my own. And so the bottom line in the Christian life is this, obedience. So last week we said, if you want to know you're walking in the light, you renounce sin, okay? Doesn't mean you're going to be, remember, not, doesn't mean you're going to be sinless, just means you're going to sin less. You repent of those sins and you have a, a, a justifier, a person, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay, so that's number one. We obey his commands. But I want to, I want to unpack something very clearly and we're going to wrap up with this. Listen again what he says in verse seven. I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. So in order to be obedient, we must be obedient to what we've heard from the beginning. The darkness is passing. The true light is shining. Jesus comes in. Listen, and and I love this idea, but Jesus comes in to take over. Not to ride shotgun or be the backseat driver. Riding shotgun usually means you have no say in where you're going. Backseat driver just wants to give you opinions right? Make their statements known, but they're not going to, you know, if you're the actual driver, you're the actual pilot of what's going on. The backseat driver is just the annoying person, isn't it? But that's how oftentimes most of us respond with God. God's either riding shotgun 
or he's the backseat driver. And we look at it more as a nuisance and an annoyance. God's telling you to do something. You're like, oh, I guess I got to do it because that's what he's saying. I don't want to get nagged by God. God's going to drive me nuts. You know, I joke around with my kids because they'll kind of pipe in every now and then. I'm like, I don't need a backseat driver. Sit back there, keep your mouth shut and hold on. You know, <laughs> you know? But, but that's how oftentimes we approach God. See, Jesus lived the truth of this command out. When he says, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. All right? So the reason this new command is seen in him is because Jesus, according to Romans chapter five, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because Jesus is the light and Jesus reveals to us the light. And this new command is this, that there is love for us. Jesus loved us so much that in the midst of our sin, he died on the cross for us. So when we understand obedience and we obey his commands, then we begin to see that obedience is the fruit of faith. And so John writes this, this out, kind of tying obedience and love together. I believe this wholeheartedly, that obedience is just simply our way of of following God or showing our faith in him. So if we want to be in the light, then we obey his commands. What's his command? What are his commands? And the heart of the matter comes to this, love. Listen to what he says in verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Now, the reason why this comes up is this. That group of people who separated out, the ones who were teaching false scripture, the ones who were adding another way, the ones who were claiming to be sinless, the ones who claimed that there was no sin in them, all right? Those people were hating the ones who were being obedient to what God had called them to do. As a result, let me ask you this question. When somebody hates you, how do you usually respond? Be honest. Huh? Yeah, I'm gonna hate you right back. I'm gonna treat you like trash. You wanna act like that to me? I mean, heck, all we gotta do is look at what's going on in the Supreme Court, what's going on in the political, what's going on in social media over the last couple weeks. The minute somebody disagrees with you, it's automatically. Matter of fact, we have turned everything into a villain victim mentality. If somebody's against us, they're the villain, and as a result, I'm the victim. That's the only realm that we are basically operating in today's culture and society. Villain and victim. If you stand up for women's rights, that's great. If you say you stand up for another way, hey, you're the villain and we're the victims now. No, the reality is this. Not everything is villain and victim. But listen to what Paul is saying. Paul is trying to unpack something in a, or not Paul, sorry, John. John is trying to pack, unpack something that we have to begin to understand. If obedience is the fruit of faith, then our obedience should lead us to love one another. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. And I'm gonna bring this up as a result of sometimes what I see in other churches. We haven't experienced this since I've been here. Maybe it happened in the past, but I want you to understand this. We cannot hate another brother in Christ because if we do, then we don't have the light, period. 
I saw it growing up in my church. I saw how people treated and responded to other people. I saw how people treated our pastor. I saw how people treated other people within the church because they went against what they thought in a business meeting. And so I saw hatred and anger. I saw bitterness and rage. And as a result of that, I will stand by and say, listen to what John says. If that is the case, then you don't have the light. You have the darkness. Why? Because when Jesus is in me and I have his word in me, then the spirit changes my heart and as a result, love comes out. Love is the fruit of faith and obedience in Christ. I hope you understand that. Love is the fruit of faith and obedience in Christ. You will not bear love if there is no faith and no obedience. It won't happen. Because the minute somebody lashes out, the minute somebody wrongs you, the minute somebody says something against you, if you're not in Christ, guess what comes up? The sin nature. And it pops so easy. See, I believe this, that we don't stumble and fall when we're walking in love and obedience. We stumble and fall when we walk in darkness. Listen to again what he says. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. There is nothing in him to make him stumble. You get that picture? When I love my brother, when I'm walking in faith and obedience and I love my brother, then there is nothing in there that is going to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks around in darkness and he does not know where he's going. Remember last week, the illustration I used, how we used to play sardines when I was a youth pastor and I would go and I'd sit right in the middle of the room pitch black room and I'd sit in the middle of the room. Why? Nobody wants to walk in the middle of the room when it's dark. What do we do? Feel for walls. Everybody do this? You know what I'm talking about, right? I've got a room downstairs in our basement. It's got one of those pull string lights and you can't see in this room and you're like trying to find that string, you know, swinging my arm around. But that's what happens. When we walk in darkness, we're going to end up stumbling over something. Why? Because we can't see what's going on. But when we walk in the light, we're not going to stumble. Why? Because we see everything that's going to take place. We see the situation and we can walk in obedience. But if we hate another brother, we walk around in darkness and we don't know where we're going. I believe this wholeheartedly, that darkness blinds our hearts, desires, our thoughts, and our actions. Darkness blinds our heart's desires, our thoughts, and our actions. But listen to what he says. To know God intimately is to know his love intimately, and to know other believers is to love them as Jesus loved us. So what John, I believe, is laying out here is this. Love is a result of obedience to God's word first and foremost. So you want to know how you're walking in the light? Number one, you renounce sin. Number two, you walk in obedience. And when you walk in obedience, as a result of obeying God's word, as a result of taking in God's word, you love one another. And that love exposes all kinds of things because you're able to walk in the light and not stumble. But when I walk in darkness, I'm gonna trip over every single thing that I am disobedient in. There's an old hymn 
that I'm sure many of you maybe have thought as a result of this, but there's an old hymn that I believe communicates this message very well. Anybody want to take a guess? Good, no, I'll tell you. I remember, and I, and I, I know I use this example a lot, but I can hear my grandma singing it. Uh, my grandma and grandpa used to sit. My grandma and papa used to sit right behind us. It's my mom and dad, me and my sister, usually my cousins, my aunt and uncle. We had, all our family went to the same church. My grandparents would sit behind us. A couple other uh, aunts and uncles would be back behind them. But trust and obey. I'm going to read through this. And I just want you to think about this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. And I can hear my grandma singing now, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that song goes on and it, it talks about everything. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Listen to me. There is no shadow in darkness when we trust and obey Jesus first and foremost. Why? Because we're in the light. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I want to leave you with this quote. There was a guy named Thomas Akempis a long time ago, and he wrote this. Instant obedience is the only kind of obedience there is because delayed obedience is disobedience. And so my question is this. If you want to know you're walking in the light, if you want to know, do I have salvation? Am I secure in my salvation? Am I, am I, am I obedient? Am I walking in the light? The question is simply this. Are you obeying? Do you obey? Because obedience is the fruit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And love is the fruit of obedience with Jesus Christ. You can't have either one of them if you're not walking in the light. But I can walk in the light when I walk in obedience to what God has called me to do. And I follow him day in and day out.